You went to the launch of the PGA Tour 2K23 game with Tiger Woods. Sorry, I, I, made that sound, I, I made that sound like you went to the launch with Tiger Woods. You went to the launch with Fulham footballer Dan James on loan from Leeds, I believe. I had a few people actually ask me, was Tiger there? Like, no, Tiger yeah, wasn't there. Tiger just showed up at Top Golf in Watford. Like, oh, I was at the launch with Tiger Woods event. He was like, oh, how, how was the man? How was the great one? I don't know. Brilliant. Yeah, I was there. Dan James was there. Cal Freezy was there from YouTube. Bunch of FIFA guys. It was a bit damaging, actually, because I looked on the... I looked on social media after the event, and obviously the same event was taking place in Vegas. Tony Finau was hosting their one. They had a bunch of WWE wrestlers. As you know, I'm a huge WWE fan. And we had Dan James. No disrespect to the <laughs> to the Fulham guy, but it wasn't quite the same. But no, it was a great event. Got my hands on the game. I know you're a big fan of it. I am a big fan. I've written a, I've written a comprehensive review. And we also have some copies to give away. So if you follow us on socials, you can win a copy. But I don't want to talk about it too much. I've spent far too long playing it and it's taken over my life for the last it's week. It's tough. I, I, it was damaging, right? Because at the event, there was like a load of like esports guy and like gamers. And their job is literally like to review games. So they're playing yeah. video games all the time. And list. they were like absolutely incredible at the games you can expect. So I was like a couple of guys, like, oh, come join us for a game. I was like, sweet, you know. What what harm is this going to be? It's going to be fine. Haven't played haven't played a golf game since probably Tiger Woods 07. And these guys just absolutely tore me apart. It was <laughs> demoralising. I think if you'd asked me when I was a kid what my dream job would be when I grow up, it would be just playing video games. It sounded it, pretty good, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's... Is it too late? I've only just turned 40. Life starts at 40, I could. I mean, you did, a, you did a good job of that review last week. Maybe that was like your audition. That was my audition into the world of esports. You're going to break the news to us next week, like, sorry, guys, I'm I'm off. I've got a job at esports company. That'd be proper midlife. You can think of you. one esports company, so you just said esports. Of course not. Of course not. Such was the battering I took on Tiger Woods that I can't remember. I managed to put my PlayStation controller down long enough to go to Ikea, which I've heard some people brilliantly describe as the divorce maze. <laughs> Wait, and... don't tell me you went on the weekend. That's suicide. Well, Saturday afternoon in it, so it's pretty. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad because it was. I think everyone goes in the morning, really, don't they? So by the time I'd got there, it was like four o'clock, and it was relatively well. It was busy, but it wasn't overwhelmingly so. But in the kitchen section, I did overhear a woman <laughs> describe or accuse a chopping board of not having enough character. I mean, what on earth does that mean? So. Oh no. Another thing I've noticed around here, I've noticed Halloween decorations have started to go yes, up yes, around the estate you. that I live on. Now, when when did this become a thing? Because I'm pretty so sure... So early. So early. What's going on? The ha- so we're two weeks out from Halloween now. I've seen three or four houses. And to be fair to my estate, it's generally the people that live on... It's, it's, an, it's a relatively new build estate and it's families who are sort of my age, you know, 30s and 40s. Almost everyone's got kids, so they make a big deal of it. And people really genuinely like actual Halloween night when all the kids go out trick or treating is fantastic because everyone's out. And as you can expect from a one road estate and it's just a really good vibe and everyone decorates their houses and it's really good fun. But I noticed a couple up a couple of roads over people were decorating their houses a month out from Halloween. They've started now on my estate, which is two weeks out from Halloween. And it's just too early like for me 
I think it's something that you just do for like the weekend. You do it. It's not like, like it's a festive. It's not like Christmas where. Well, it's a, it's Americanization of things, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. like what well, it's just it's that's what they do over there, isn't it? Like they make a big thing of Halloween and then they make a big thing of Thanksgiving and then they make a big thing of everything. Obviously Hanukkah and Christmas and things like that. So it's like a thing for them, isn't it? But it sort of seems to be creeping over here now. But I'm just looking at it thinking, you know, celebrate Halloween. Like, why have you got that? Why have you covered your house in fake cobwebs a month or two weeks in the case of my neighbours uh, two weeks out from Halloween it just seemed I mean first so, of all that, that cobweb stuff is going to be an absolute mess by the time Halloween actually comes round it's not your worry is it what's You're it like, like the, your what's, what's 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 the equivalent of like the Scrooge for Halloween that's you no I don't get me wrong I absolutely love it I think it's brilliant fun I've and... got I've got my uh, costume sorted for this year go <laughs> The scariest thing possible is I'm going to go oh, as God. the Phil Mickelson henna tattoo. <laughs> God, what was that? No, I do need a costume, well, but uh, that is definitely on the short list. We'll, we'll get, to, get that. to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. So we so first of all, let's just clear it up. Absolutely love Halloween. Think it's brilliant. And I really enjoy it. And I always have since I was a kid. I grew up in a little village in the middle of Devon, absolute middle of nowhere. And Halloween night was fantastic. Like all the kids in the village were out and about. Mm-hmm. There was one man and you'd knock on his door and he was he was completely anti Halloween. But you would knock on his door and he would give you this huge lecture about everything that is wrong with Halloween. You'd stand there just petrified. He reminded me of the guy from Home Alone who is really scary and scares Kevin McAllister, mm. but turns out to be really nice and actually helps him in the end. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Home Alone, it's been out for about 30 years. So what Spoiler alert. The most watched film of all time. 35 year old film so it was a bit like that and then we would go back up into the town and we'd be like i can't remember his name so let's call him mr smith i'd be like oh you should get down mr smith's house it's brilliant and then you just watch this like row of kids outside his house getting this lecture oh it's no absolutely fantastic you can go you can go to like those nice pumpkin fields now can't you and get some insta photos in the lead up that's, that's, oh, that's, love, that's all love the rage people, isn't I, it that's all the rage love taking my nice shiny white trainers around a pumpkin field anyway enough about that we'll do we'll discuss um christmas decorations probably well what is it now october 17 so we'll just we'll discuss christmas decorations in about three weeks when they inevitably start going up before before we get into it before you hear the music just a quick reminder for people to like and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy our complete nonsense yeah whether we're chatting about halloween or golf i'd always try and keep you entertained so make sure you subscribe follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram and whatever you use let's listen to some music for 25 seconds Let's start with Adrian Otegi. Is that how we're saying it? Otegi? Otegi. It's one of those names that's just really, as a journalist, it's every time you write it down, you know oh. you have to check it. Even if you've written it already in the article, you have to copy and paste it because it's just not one of those names. That's, so it's uh, O-T-A-E-G-I. The A, the E and the U were causing havoc for me yesterday. I'm not going to lie. I think it's one for our end of year Christmas quiz, isn't it? Spell Otegi. So first of all, if you haven't watched any golf this weekend, Otegi absolutely annihilated the mm-hmm. field. What did he win by in the end? Six shots in the end. 19 Six under. Shots, 19 under around Valderrama. Of all Which places. was a tournament record as well, by the way. Tournament record. And there were 
some suggestions in the world of the toxic world of Twitter that the DP World Tours media team were not celebrating this enough. I mean, he had a six shot lead going into the final round and people were suggesting that people who run the DP World's Twitter account weren't celebrating the fact that he had had such a ludicrous 54 holes, given that normally they would be all over you know, it. pumping it all out with you know record breaker and stuff like this. And instead, they just said, here's our leaderboard going into and the I, uh, game. Yeah, so I did a little little probing into that. And it took, cool. his name was not mentioned until 58 holes into the tournament, at which point he was already six ahead. Just, so, just saying, I'm just saying. Just. I'm fully on board with the fact that there are the, the people that were screaming about this the most are the people that the influential voices of Twitter who claim to be unbiased, but actually are a little bit biased. And it's pretty clear to see. So our <laughs> completely unbiased opinion, you as someone who is on board with the Live Project and me, who is someone who is quite rightly sceptical, where do you sit on that? I mean, 54 holes, to not mention your leader, seems a bit... Yeah, I mean, it's one thing, I'm I'm probably, I think it's fair to perhaps not celebrate it as such, you know, like you were, you were hinting, you know, that like record breaker or making a bunch of graphics for him and whatnot. I can completely get why they wouldn't go down that route, but to not even acknowledge his name. And in the end, it felt like it was very forced when they then did it. It seemed very petty. You know, this guy is still buying his trade on the tour. He's just, you know, had an unbelievable four days. He's playing at home. I mean, if you just listen to the crowd reception he was getting, everyone was loving him. You know, he's on home soil, the second Spaniard other than Garcia to win the event. And it just took away, it really took away from the event, I thought. And it was a big shame because what he did out on the course, which is where it matters, was phenomenal. It's not just a case of he went to play live golf. He then took legal action he was part of that small group who took legal action against the dp world tour now i agree with you they absolutely should be mentioning him on social media that he's leave uh, sorry that he's leading the golf tournament and that he's uh, i think they should be tweeting the fact that he's breaking records i mean that like we said it's a phenomenal round of golf but also on the flip side i completely understand that they've gone no do you know what this guy actually sued us like he literally sued us well, and, and and people are going to get upset because we're not celebrating the fact that he's smashing records on our tour. Yeah, I mean, it, it's slightly different, isn't it? This isn't uh, I think we'd be having a completely different conversation if this was the Dunhill or the, the at Wentworth and say Patrick Reed had won. Right. This is not that. I mean, this is a guy who essentially was a number filler for the early stages of live. And I think he had every intention to come back to the DP World Tour, as we've now seen. And to, to say he was suing them is a, you know, it's a bit extreme. He, he, he wanted his right to play in the Scottish Open, right? That was what he was uh, filing the injunction against, because in his mind, he always probably wanted to return to the DP World Tour. And he's seen that as a threat to his future as a golfer, because he knows he's gone to live. Fair play to him. We all would have done it for his situation. They, they've pitched it to him. Come and play a few events, fill the numbers get a bunch of money he made over one million dollars playing in the free events at live he then wants to come back to the dp world tour and he's seen that he's seen that um that banning is probably long term right so he, he he's thinking well that's my livelihood i want to come back to the dp world tour it was never as if the dp world tour said it if you go to live you will get banned back in may was it um 
So no, there's still there's still a bit it's all still a bit up in the air with the DP World Tour and Live, isn't it? And that's sort of why I think that actually I'm leaning towards it's probably a bit petty. Yeah. You know, because they're, know the they're not making a decision. The DP World Tour, Pelly and all that lot are not making a decision about this. They're not putting their foot down on anything the way that the PGA Tour have. So, I mean, I for me, I think I read somewhere that Atagi only had a two, perhaps a two or three event deal with Liv. Exactly that, exactly that. So him then being banned from the Scottish Open, is like I said, he that that who who what's not to say that if they hadn't have done that injunction, well, if they hadn't have done that injunction, it would have been all the events, right? And that's that's a guy who knows he's only going to live for a few events. So he's like, hang on, this is my this is my livelihood. This is this is my this is the tour I want to play on. This is the tour I probably have a right to play on at this point, given that there was no warning before that. So of course he's probably I, I sort of get why he has why he did file that injunction. So it's perhaps different to a figure like Poulter, where it is a very much, you know, have you cake and eat it scenario. And obviously he was involved in that as well. For someone like him, I'm like, why have, why are you going back, right? Why do you want to go back? I don't get it. But Otegi's a completely different ball game, isn't it? Like you said, he had a, he had a short-term deal. He didn't know the consequences, and he wants to come back. So I don't see really what he what him personally he did wrong in that situation, you know. And and it would be a different conversation if this was a Patrick Reed, if this was a Poulter, perhaps. I, I can't blame the actions he took, and so now that he is back, and clearly he's going to continue to be a DP World Tour player. I think they need to get over it. And I think it was petty. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that for Poulter and Westwood and the Reeds of the world, for them, it is about being disruptive. I think that they know what they're doing and I think they're being very deliberate about it. And the the way that Westwood and Poulter in particular have spoken about the DP World Tour. I mean, I'm going to just say it again for the 400th time. Those two players would not be where they are or who they are if it wasn't for the European tour. Exactly. So yeah. for them for them to behave the, the way that they're behaving is massively tarnishing their reputation. Well, it's already tarnished to their reputation. And they just, the more they speak about it, the worse they come off. I think you're right about Ortegi. He's obviously completely different kettle of fish in terms of the, the level of player versus Porter and Westwood. But you can't treat one player differently just because he's been more successful so it has to be the same for all players you can't say oh well Porter and Westwood can't come and play on the DP World Tour because they've already got enough money uh, and in the same way that you can't say to Otegi he can't come for the opposite reason so I am a bit on the fence about it to be honest with you I, I have made clear my feelings about live golf but I tell you what is really frustrating me the most. It's the most exciting and ludicrous and bonkers period of golf in terms of news. But it's making me not want to watch it. But it's putting me off in the same way that the oil states buying Manchester City, buying Paris Saint-Germain, all the money at the top end of football is making me not really enjoy that level of football anymore. I mean... I support a team that's bottom of the non, of, of the conference. So obviously, like, I get my proper football fix on a weekly basis. But I used to be obsessed with football. I used to watch, I would watch any kind of football at any kind of standard. And now with all the money coming into the game, and I don't want to sound a bit like, oh, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s, it was much better. 
there was obviously money around then and you know that, that's just how it works you know Blackburn bought the title in 95 it happened back then and it will continue to happen for many years but it makes me not want to watch it and it and I feel like the same is perhaps happening with golf like it's it's really put like all the squabbling that's going on between the PJ Tour the DP World Tour and Live Golf it's just making me think, oh, oh, guys, I just want to watch good golfers play golf. Now, live golf, I've made clear before, doesn't really do anything for me because it's just a glorified exhibition. I would much rather, you know, you look at Keegan Bradley over the weekend winning at the Zozo and up against Ricky Fowler, another player who hasn't won for X amount of years. Yeah. You know, the, these were two guys who haven't won in so long and all were so desperate to win it. And you just saw how much it meant to them. You saw how much it meant to Fowler to not win it. You saw how much it meant to Bradley to win it. The, you know, the tears were flat. And how many times have we seen that this year? Grinders on the on the European tour winning and then just breaking down in their in their interview. And, and it's the same on the PGA tour. Players winning for the first time in a long time and breaking that. You see how much it means to them. Now we saw that with Brooks Kepka, and we'll come to that. Is that not your answer then? Because you just said you've sort of been put off a bit by golf because of the current state and the current climate of professional golf. But live coming along and, and all the turmoil and all the money and all the, you know, the oil influence and whatnot, is it not highlighting that part of it to a greater extent now? Is it not showing that golf in its purest form, you know, and, and what we're seeing in those events when players are breaking down, is that is that not making that even more relevant? You know, are you not, are you not looking at this now and going, OK, well, I watch the, you know, you watch the PGA Tour and you, you perhaps enjoy that more because you realise this is a pure form of the game and that it is there is more at stake and not bringing that out it's more in the same way that perhaps and I'm not comparing like the PJ Tour and live to like lower league football in the Premier League but I think one effect of football for example a lot of a lot of uh, money coming to the Premier League and there being this big golfing class now I think it's to an extent enriched the product lower down because now you get the core group of fans that really are going and it, it perhaps means a lot more to the local fans and you know it's a bigger divide but I just think it makes it a little bit better like okay we're going to go watch our and like I say, I'm not comparing the PJ Tour to that, but it, 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 in some ways it sort of is. It makes just elevates what it is to a different extent, I guess. Yeah, I, I completely see what you're saying. But also on the flip side of that, I love it when the, the PJ Tour is in Asia because I love it when we get to wake up nice and early on a Sunday morning and just chill out yeah. in our pants and watch it. Um, I said that as if we do it together. We don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm always alone when I'm watching golf in my pants. For me, it's the, the biggest shame is that it's just, I've, you know, and I've said this before and plenty of people have said this. I want Brooke Kepka competing on the PJ Tour. I want DJ. I want Patrick Reed. They they are huge losses to the PJ Tour in terms of uh, what they bring, at, not only as players, but as content providers as well, really, yeah. especially Patrick Reed. And I, and I think and that, that for me is the biggest shame is that it was absolutely perfect that we had that incident where you had the opening live golf event and then the day after Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas went toe to toe down the stretch at the Canadian. And that's wonderful. And I do love watching those players. And there, and for me, there is still enough players on the PGA tour for it to be interesting. Yeah. But you do kind of go, you, especially when you're watching, you know, I did tune in for a little bit of live on Saturday morning, uh, sorry, so Sunday morning. And you're just watching Brooks Kepka play like that yeah. again. And you just think, Oh God, like I just, I do. I think. I think to be. Oh, well, first of all, I think I'm the only person that likes Brooks Kepka. I don't know why. I think people don't really like. I. I didn't really realise this. People don't like him, do they? Yeah, um, he's. he's not I, I don't, I've always liked him, and I don't really know why. He's just. There's something about him that I've always really liked, and I, I can't really explain it. But 
I mean, let's come on to that now, because I wrote a piece over the weekend saying, actually, perhaps it's not about the money for Brooks Kepko. You know, he broke down in his post round interview after winning Liv Jeddah. You know, he described the fact that a year ago, he did, well, a year ago, he described his body as glass, made of glass or whatever it was he said. He had wrist problems, back problems, knee problems, hip problems, you name it. He had a problem with it. And he admitted, quite frankly, he was on the verge of quitting. He didn't know if he was going to play golf ever again. The guy made $40 million playing PGA Tour. So whatever ludicrous amount he won at Liv Jeddah over the weekend. So it was $4 million for the win plus 750 k for, for his team winning the team event as well. So, you know, that's just shy of $5 million. I mean, that isn't, okay, it's a hell of a chunk of change, but the guy's already got $40 million in the bank. So he clearly wasn't thinking about that. Now, I'm quite happy to criticise these guys for going for the money. And I have criticised them in the past, especially when they lie about it. Like, I've never, ever, at any point since the start of Live, had a problem with these guys going for the money. I just don't like the fact that they the reason, lie yeah. about it. And then, obviously, one of the things they say is, <laughs> we're going to spend more time with our families and have more time off. And then you've got... Kepka coming out after his opening round 62 on Friday and saying it sucks that we only have this event and Miami left and then a bunch that of time off and you're just sort of thinking well hang on a second that's the reason why you went there but then obviously you see that interview on Sunday and you think well actually okay this is the reason why because he's finally got his body back to where he wants it he's got his swing back he's got his game back together and he's now thinking I want to go and play a bunch of golf I don't want to have be off until whenever the first event of the yeah. 2023 season is which we still don't know 100 i mean you've got to think this is sort of anyway and it wasn't too long ago but he was untouchable wasn't he for two years he really was when he had that stretch of winning majors the guy was on a different level wasn't he when he was world number one 2018 2019 whatever it was 2017 2018 the guy was untouchable so of course you know you forget the money part just glosses, glosses over, doesn't it? The you know the reality that someone like that was was so good and that he's you know he's still obviously trying to find his form. I wonder what these guys are going to do then. If he's saying he wants to play more golf until when when is the rumours starting for the new league for the new season? January, February? Well, I thought they'd said it was going to be March until March, September, and then have a proper off season, wasn't it? But I don't know um exactly i don't think anyone so does I, guess, I, mean, I, mean, I don't think even live golf no but i mean it, it, what you say there it is just worth mentioning that this year is the first year that kepka hasn't had a major top 10 since 2014 and that yeah, was when yeah. he was really just starting out in the majors so i mean the guy how much like the guy made me personally so much money and a lot of other people as well because you just backed him for a, you backed him each way in a major and you won loads of money off of it he was ridiculous wasn't he he was a different level and it seems to have been forgotten a little bit just because of everything that's happened. Like you're saying, yeah, the form is one thing, but I think him going to live has magnified it even more. But hmm, No, I, I, I don't agree with his decision to go to live. The same with all of them. If they went there for the money, fine. If they went there for more time off, fine. Just don't lie about it. But I think that the, the point I've made in the piece that I wrote is that it clearly wasn't just about the money for, for Kepsa. No. I'm not... OK, first of all, I should note that, you know, he could have just been doing that. on the. He, he could have been getting himself back into shape on the PGA Tour as well. He could have won the Zozo at the weekend for all we know. Uh, he could have won the CJ Cup this weekend. I'm not saying that he went to live and it's transformed him at all. I'm just saying that purely in that 30 second clip, it became very clear that this wasn't about the money. It wasn't about live versus the PGA Tour. It was about a man who was broken and thought his career was over 
coming back and actually winning, beating a, a, a decent field to win a tournament. And it was interesting, wasn't it? It's the first time we've sort of seen that after a live victory. You mentioned it earlier. We're seeing it, seem to be seeing it every week on every other tour. And finally, we saw it on, on live. Has well, live how become dehumanised? What's happening here? <laughs> how many people in the live golf field could you actually expect that from? I mean, DJ's made it very clear that he's just gone there for the money. Westwood and Porter have made it very clear that they've just gone there for the money. So where well, do you... Yeah, I guess last week Eugenio winning wasn't it? it was quite was quite a big one. Um, that was pretty cool, but it's not. You know, it's not. He still, yeah, didn't. He's not going to start breaking down crying, going, "I've dreamed of this my whole life." Because Liv is five minutes old. So <laughs> the weekend start the the Liv Golf Jeddah weekend started out interestingly to put say that lightly. Phil Mickelson has had a relatively quiet summer by his standards. Yeah, he's, he was the mouthpiece for live golf at the start of the year wasn't he and then he sort of chose to to leave it to dj and dechambeau and patrick reed and all those guys to make the noise and obviously greg norman's been making a lot of noise and, and he hasn't really been playing very well we should probably note that since the short they brought in the rule about the shorts he can't stop the new beast the, the guy couldn't break 70 until he got his calves out and now he's uh, now, now <laughs> he's shooting back 66 shoes. every single game so no, he, he almost became a bit of a sheepish character didn't he i'd say in the last few months which almost made me think that there was an element of guilt to what he had said in the past and that you know he was almost wanting to backtrack a bit and he was just he was just in the shadows like you say of normans of this world and reeds of this world and dj and then do, you think it, do you think it was a scary mother effers comment that he was just thinking, oh, God, I've, I've really upset them. I don't well, I, I just I don't know. I, I, I think he I think he would. have. I, th- I think he, he felt a bit guilty. He felt a bit sheepish. This is what I thought. And then, like you say, four round. What was it? Five rounds in a row in the 60s. Phil's got his mojo back. Phil's got his calves out. And Phil is back on the mic and just dropping bombs. Um, like you say, not the bombs we're used to seeing from Phil. But to an extent, the bombs we are used to seeing from Phil, like it was. Well, exactly. So it was just, something just else, wasn't it? Before you carry on, we we've touched on the henna tattoo. That was really <laughs> strange. He was he was doing this interview. He sort of had his hands by his side so everyone can see it. It was meant to be his logo, but it looked more like. Uh, Harry and Henderson's is well, yeah, exactly, like. exactly what it looked like. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, just Google it and you'll find it pretty quickly. It's very, very funny. I didn't. Again, it was he had a little dig at the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan. I got some stick last week for pronouncing it Monahan. I don't really know what the problem with that is, but um, Jay Monahan. He had a, he, so Mickelson's had a bit of a dig at those guys. That sort of seems in keeping with how he's been dealing with things since he moved to live, but also just like mate, get a life. Like you've you've gone to live. We've all accepted it. Just saying live golf is trending upwards and pga tour is trending downwards it's just there's just no proof of that it's not it's not something you can back up it's no, just well, no if you're not he's done his research he's a cricket guru now is our phil <laughs> so a cricket guru you're not here he's like yeah so back in the 70s when cricket did the same thing i was like hang on a minute oh. phil was suddenly an expert but uh yeah no, i know i i hear exactly what you're saying the, he'd really been watching his words hadn't he i think in the previous presses at live well i think the most bizarre it. thing that came out of his presser on thursday or whatever it was was the fact that he called out Alan Shipnug, of course, who was the journalist who published the book on Phil, the unauthorised biography, which is absolutely brilliant. And if you yeah. haven't read it, you really should. He said that he hadn't said those on the record. Now, yeah, I mean, it's all a record thing, isn't it? Because he'd gone from before he'd said, oh, well, it was off the record. And now his, his new tune is there was no interview. 
because yeah. in his head it wasn't an interview. Um, but he knows he knows that he in this world. Uh, I'm going to say I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. In this Trumpian world, where if you just staunchly agree with someone, you will just listen to everything they have to say. Now, you you get that with American politics, you feel like Donald Trump could come out and say the sky is yellow, and all of his supporters would say, yeah, the sky is yellow. And Mickelson knows that. He knows that if he comes out and says that that interview never happened. He knows that all the Live Golf supporters, all his supporters will say, oh, that interview never happened. Even well, though, just, even just though after the interview it? came out, he literally yeah. published an apology for what he had said. But they're all doing, that's the whole new tune, isn't it? They're doing it for world ranking points now as well. Instead of coming out, and we spoke about it a lot last week, you can obviously see our debate when things got a little bit touchy, but we'll move on from that. But last week, the best argument for Liv not getting ranking points or for getting them is that they've got all these top players and it's not a fair reflection, right? That was sort of what the conclusion was. But instead of going with that narrative, they're saying, and it's just complete, it's complete gaslighting, they're saying, oh, well, we're meeting all the criteria. We're doing everything we we're supposed to do and they're not giving us points. And then, like you say, it's it's adding enough fuel to the fire for all the, all the fanboys and all the guys that are just going to, get on board with anything they say absolutely anything and suddenly it's got a bit of traction when it's just a complete fabrication it's bonkers and i think phil saying that is the same thing he knows he's going to say it. it's going to get he's going to get enough such such as the the scale of this divide in golf he knows people will get on board of it and now suddenly it's become a us v them even even more so well, yeah, that's exactly you've, you've, again. You've hit the nail on the head. He is gaslighting us with this Shipnug stuff because we all know what he said. We've all, we've all read it. We all know how it works. Shipnug has since come out and said that Phil phoned him up while he was driving back from a from <laughs> in the car with his kids. Yeah, he was in the car with his kids, and he had to make one of his kids drive so that he could, who was legal and with a driver's license, I hope. <laughs> so just stick oh, a Phil cool, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> But so that he could take the call with Phil and Phil said, right, I'm ready to talk about all this stuff. Now, obviously, like you say, Phil is completely gaslighting us now by saying that that interview never happened when it clearly did. And I think it's massively undermined Shipnuck. It undermines the journalism profession and it undermines Liv Golf and Phil himself. And I, I, I just I, re, I just remember reading that on Thursday or watching it on Thursday, sorry, and just thinking, what have you just done? Like, why? I mean, it's brilliant for us. Because we get to write these pieces <laughs> and we get to discuss it, uh, um, and it's and again it's it's what I was saying before. Like part of it's like this is mental, but the other half of me is going, oh, this is just so stupid. I just feel like I'm always almost going the other way and just not enjoying it in a strange way. But it's just absolutely bonkers. I, I can't get my head around it. When did he win the PGA? How long ago was that? Just all well, that forgotten. Doesn't... Oh, and it shouldn't I, be but then it that's sh- what i can't get my head around he could have a year on he should have been at the pga celebrating exactly he needs to just can it and speaking of people who need to can it porter why is why is he doing it again why is he biting? just explain the situation just for those who haven't seen it well he was at it again he he loves his old twitter doesn't he does our pulse so actually it came back to the uh otagi winning didn't i think that was the 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 cause of it um oh no it wasn't actually it was uh, alistair tate wrote an article where he was criticizing the strength of field at the dp world tour not just at valderrama but all year and he was saying it's lost its star power blah 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 and obviously westwood and poulter who just 
you know, they love to voice that, don't they? While simultaneously also wanting to play on that tour still. Singing the praise, replying, great article, finally someone speaking some sense, blah, 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 all that nonsense. And Eddie Pepper, everyone's favourite DP World Tour defender, came out and perhaps rightly said, well, why guy, why weren't you guys at Valderrama? Knowing they were obviously at Live Golf Jeddah. And then all kicked off and Poulter accused Pepper of being a live basher was the word he used. I mean, it all got very so, petty. It all sorry, got very I, I, school schoolyard-esque, didn't it? I have just got the tweet here. Just before Please you read it, on. yeah. So Pepper said, so Porter said what he said, and then and then Pepper replied and said, why didn't you play Valderrama this year, Ian? And then he, and then Porter said, how many tweets do you have to clock up bashing players who play on live before DP World Tour give you another invite? Now, that's just a classic response, isn't it? In terms, like... Pepper has not said anything to quote Porter bashing players who play he just on asked him, yeah. He yeah. just uh, I mean, okay, there was a there was a sense of cheekiness about what Pepper had said, and you know that what, what Pepper was like and his his reputation and his personality, but he hasn't bashed Porter or any live players. He's just said, All right, then why didn't you come and play at Balderama? You're not banned. It was brilliant, wasn't it? He he went fishing and he caught a huge bite, didn't he, Pepper? He must have been buzzing when that tweet <laughs> came back from buzzing. Bolton. You can just tell, can't you? And then the fact Westwood jumped in and got involved. It was like, really, guys? They probably sat there together, weren't they? The, the Majestic boys. They're probably in Saudi Arabia next to each other on their phones. But yeah, it's sad. He's lost all credibility, hasn't he, a bit, Polter? I've said it. I'll continue to say it. When I see him up at Woburn, I'll tell him. Things will kick off. Yeah, so it's a real shame, isn't it? If you went up to... Just for those that don't know, George is a Woburn member, as is Porter. If you went up to Woburn and Porter was there, would you, in your role as a journalist and tour writer, would you go over and talk to him and ask him if he could have a couple of questions? And if so, what would you ask him? Undercover. I think I would go and, well, first of all, as the budding journalist who captured that now infamous video at Wentworth between him and Billy Horshaw getting it on, I think I'd, I'd go and mention that to him and say, Ian, I was the one that videoed this. Any You'd chance come right out with you. You'd come right I out would, yeah. I, I put that on social media. Because I'd want his reaction, knowing that I was the one that filmed that. He'd probably call you a live busher. I hope he wouldn't. You're the, you're the exact opposite. No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm neutral, as should every journalist be. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. It's one of them you just don't know until it happened, would you? I'd like to think I'd go and, and, and approach him and... Like I said, I, I, I wanted to see his reaction to know that I've recorded that, that video because I think that would be priceless. I doubt he'd want to, to talk, to be honest. But who knows? I'll keep an eagle eye out for him on the putting green. You can't really miss him when he's there, can you? His car's always parked right well, outside last time the he was there, the which, with his um, personalised number plate. Last time I saw him there was actually, it was around about the time of the first event, the first live event at Centurion, or London as they love to call it. And he was there on the putting green and he had a bunch of TV crew around and they were filming for the obviously the upcoming Netflix documentary that's that's coming our way what in the new year sure. um so I mean everyone's talking about how tasty that's going to be and I think even one of the producers came out didn't he recently and said this is stuff is just going to be full of memes um but he was there then and that was filming around the time of the inaugural Centurion event so I mean which had <coughs> endless storylines didn't it just that week alone within this whole year of storylines of golf. So I can't wait to see what, the side to that, like it's going to be brilliant. I can't wait. So who knows? He's we'll absolutely buzzing. You might sign up to Netflix just for it. <laughs> Before we go, I, I just want to touch on something that, that came out over the weekend. How good is this going to be? So apparently there are rumours that a biopic of John Daly, 
the wild thing mm-hmm. long john starring hollywood megastar two-time oscar nominee oh he's done his research jonah yeah. hill i've done my research i just know who jonah hill is two-time uh, oscar winner i would he's not a two-time oscar winner no, two-time, two-time, oscar, two-time nominee. oscar nominee i said sorry well we'll um, be there'll be a one-time winner if this comes to fruition <laughs> two-time nominee three well three-time nominee one-time winner so yeah so a film about the life of john patrick daly that is going to be uh, you, you're talking about how excited you are for the netflix oh. documentary i mean how good's that going to be the i mean jonah is absolutely perfect for that role isn't he he's, if you've oh. seen Jonah Hill in anything he's done before, from Superbad to Wolf of Wall Street to Moneyball to Don't Look Up, you know that he's absolutely nailed on for this role. I mean, it's a perfect story to do, isn't it? Like, I mean, just like his PGA win alone and then everything that's come with it. I hope it come, I hope it happens. And I hope, like, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of good golf films out there, but there's not really any that are taking the sport seriously, are there? When you actually look at all the golf films that have been made. And even the ones, you know, the what's the Disney one on the with uh, the greatest played with Shia Yeah, Lee. but it's still a bit like it is a bit Disney-fied, but it is it's brilliant. very it's good, but it's not, you know, it's not. Whereas I think this, if it's a biopic and it's got Hollywood stars behind it, and it, I think it could really, it could be good for the game as well, couldn't it? So God, I've said bi- I said biopic and you said biopic. Yeah, no, you I'm did a, say, and I sort of lost. Over I don't think it, I've but. ever said that word out loud. I'm gonna look. I'm I'm go- live on air. Bio-pic. Well, surely it's two yeah, separate sorry, words. It's biopic, yeah. It's biopic. Yeah, it you've done enough. You've done enough. You've last week you did Monahan. Now you've done. What did you say? Did I say biopic? You said biopic, and I just sort of let it let, it let it slide because I was hoping that you then get mocked for it after like you did last week. But I'm glad you're now clearing it up because it definitely is biopic. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit it in the editing process. I'm gonna so it's just gonna say it's just gonna be me talking, and then it'll just be biopic <laughs> voiceover. Oh God, yeah, I really hope that happens. I think, and Jonah Hill is like, seems perfect for the role, doesn't he? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for everything that's coming our way that's completely non-golf related about golf, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And we've got plenty of golf coming up in the real world as well. I say the real world, in actual golf, haven't we? Um, yeah, the, the European tours get coming to a crashing crescendo which is quite fun we're still in spain aren't we again this week we got rory mcroy and matt fitzpatrick have just been confirmed for the dp world tour championship they're the top two in the race to dubai at the moment aren't they fighting it out yeah. with and ryan fox is not too far behind them he's obviously had a brilliant season as well so really excited about the end of the golf season anyway i need a wee so i'm gonna go oh is that how these things end now or to me telling you that i need a wee well, I'm yeah. in my forties now. I can't, you know, I've had three cups of tea already. It's it's eleven o'clock in the morning. So irresponsible. I'll let you get on then. All right. Bye. Bye bye.